Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Ben Vida lives and works in New York. He holds a Master's of Fine Arts from Bard College. He's had solo exhibitions at Lisa Cooley Gallery in New York, 356 Mission in Los Angeles, and the Audiovisual Arts in New York. As an artist and composer who started making his mark in Chicago, he's been part of the experimental music community for two decades with a long list of collaborators, projects, and releases. You're listening to one of his compositions right now, actually. In the mid-1990s, he co-founded the group Town & Country and has since worked as a solo artist with many releases. He's been a recipient of several awards and residencies including EMS Studios in Stockholm, MPAC in Troy, New York, and the Clock Tower in Manhattan. His work has been performed and presented at the Guggenheim Museum, the Museum of Contemporary Art Chicago, the Institute of Contemporary Art in London, Audiovisual Arts in New York, Leap Gallery in Berlin, and the Sydney Opera House in addition to many other venues. I headed over to Ridgewood to talk to Ben in his home studio, beautifully situated next to a schoolhouse playground. Here's our conversation. We've done so many different projects, so maybe if you could kind of introduce your, you know, how you got started with music and then how that evolved into what you're doing now. Sure. It's like the long scope of it, but yeah. maybe if you could just take the through the beginnings. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I've always made music since I was a kid. Um, and, uh, you know, in uh, there was a moment uh, in the mid-90s living in Chicago um, where a couple of bands came together. One was Town & Country, and then there were a, a couple of improvising groups and then uh, rock bands over the years that I would... Uh, play guitar in um, and all of you know Chicago through that period was a very kind of there, there was a lot of fluidity between uh, all the different music scenes um, and so a lot of the music I ended up making was pulling from um, no one source you know was pulling from a lot of different uh, kinds of musical disciplines um, and I, it's only in retrospect that I've started to see that there were um, kind of clear parameters in place or um, I mean even kind of conceptual underpinnings to a lot of the work that was being done but at that time I think I was working much more from a place of instinct and um, it was other band members older band members mm -hmm. like in town and country uh, Liz Payne and Jim Dorling who were who had come up through arts education uh, art education and not music education that were um, helping to sort of contextualize what we were doing in a more um, uh, kind of uh, la language of contemporary art. Yeah. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, years, spent years in Chicago making music and, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of shuffled that deck a bunch of times with mm -hmm. really a great collection of musicians in that town. Um, and then about eight years ago, moved to New York. And um, as I, around the same time that I was moving to New York, I was also getting interested in using um, uh, like uh, analog and digital synthesizing systems. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of the big shift in a yeah. way. I had made records for a label called Cranky under the name Bird Show, and that was 
getting into more of a private studio practice uh, that was using a lot of the sort of um, techniques or method methodologies of music concrete, but it wasn't until I started using synthesizers that um, my sort of understanding of how compositional forms could come together really got cracked open. Yeah. Um, and to follow that thread, once that <laughs> once I once that cracked open, I started. I very quickly started to realize that a lot of the ideas I was having weren't necessarily best realized in um, purely audio, uh, by, through audio means, mm-hmm. and that led me into making video and uh, starting to work with text and finding kind of the right medium for that best served the the idea or the um, the concept. Yeah. Well, you grew up playing piano like you first learned piano right? piano when I was a, a kid my mom's piano teacher so and where came, did you grow up I grew up in Minneapolis okay uh, and um, yeah like I mean played piano since I was a little little kid and trumpet and you know started playing guitar I guess in junior high so always made music what was the know? music like in the house was there music playing a lot or well there were piano lessons yeah. constantly the okay. piano was just below my bedroom uh, and so you know, I think Phantom of the Opera mostly, uh-huh. and uh, yeah. Chariots of Fire. Was there? Yeah. Were you listening to stuff that was at a certain point like going against what was playing in the house? Sure, of course. I mean, there was never any censorship in the house as far as music yeah. was concerned. Um, you know, in you know fifth grade, we were buying, my brother and I were buying you know Black Flag records, and yeah. you know we would go to the store and we would look at the. With my mom, she would take us, and we would look at the covers, at the Pettibone covers. And <laughs> yeah. We'd look at Slip It In and My mm-hmm. War and Loose Nut, and my mom would be like, oh, how about Loose Nut? <laughs> if you know those covers, yes, you know yeah, why. Yeah. That was yeah. the one. Um, you yeah. know, and, but, but, you know, those were the records that um, the, the, the sound of that band, of Black Flag, and the, the, um, those, those record covers were, like, the first crack in my... Here we go again with cracking open, like you know the sort of my understanding of uh, the safety of the world I was living in, and the uh, it, you know breaking out of that that safety a little bit. Those yeah. seemed like dangerous records to me as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are in a way. Yeah, and they're you they're know? alluring. You know, and they're I feel so like so so alluring. And then you know, uh, I mean, part of that allure was uh, fright. <laughs> right, right. You know, like what is this? Thing? Yeah. Yeah, well, I remember that with, I've talked about it before, but like NWA getting that tape, you know, totally. straight out of Compton was yep. a huge, crazy, huge deal. crazy moment. Yeah, yeah, like, such a big deal. Um, I think it was like, and it's funny because um, I don't think I saw a huge difference between, like I, I wasn't making any, I didn't have a clear idea of how any of these records were made. So to me, they all just represented an other that I was attracted to. Yeah. You know. Did you skateboard when you were young? Yeah, yeah. I mean, all, okay. skateboarding was like my way into... I, I was not a good skateboarder, mm-hmm. but I, you know, skated every day. And But it was a lot of the things that, um, uh, you know, it was the, the things the, that I learned about through the conduit of skateboarding. You know, it was yeah. the, the clothes and the... Uh, music and the artwork that mm-hmm. I was really attracted to as much as the activity. So you know? when you um, you took all that and you went to school for music, right? Yeah, I went to school and studied um, performance. I was, you know, like, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I was, you know, playing, you know, jazz guitar. Yeah. Um, and I and I hated it. 
um, I mean, I love jazz music and I listen to it all the time, but um, as far as it being, uh, you know, uh, a viable uh, way of communicating anything to me, it was always more just like classwork. I was very interested in improvising and I, you know, in high school I had gotten turned on to Cecil Taylor and Derek Bailey and Evan Parker, you know, um, by way of, um, you know, like American Free Jazz and and a very, very uh, influential older uh, improviser in uh, Minneapolis, Milo Fine uh, and Steve Janicka, mm -hmm. um, two guys. Uh, and so I was already pretty invested in uh, sort of extended techniques, extended forms, Yeah, you know. And did so. you move on from there to, did you start getting into like Steve Reich and Tony Conrad and all that stuff? Or was that yeah, like later well, on? That that was later on in in college. I was interested in Morton Feldman and mm -hmm. Zanakis, besides the improvisers I was talking about as, as far as like composers were concerned. Um, and I, you know, the, the, I mean, you know, of the two schools of, of American minimalists, you know, I sort of lean towards the um, the Tony Conrad school, you mm -hmm. know, and the Lamont school. Um, I think as far as Glass and Reich and those guys go, I, I like the music that they like. I like music from, you know, uh, I, I like Mbira music from Zimbabwe. I mm -hmm. like, yeah. you know, Balafon music yeah. from the Congo. I mean, that's good. Yeah. Really good. Um, it's, it's funny too because I think you have this as a musician when you start playing music and you start getting introduced to things it introduces you to a genre and then you kind of go there and that opens up a whole nother door without a doubt and it's this it's it's funny it's like a linear progression yeah and um, I always wonder about it now because it's so instantaneous like your ability to access all this music mm -hmm. it's amazing because even to this day I'll go on Spotify and find things that are so hard to find anywhere else and I've given up my record collection because moving to New York, it's sure. just, I can't. Yeah, I reduced mine. Yeah, a the lot. space. I know. <laughs> Me, too. Me too. It's a commitment, and I couldn't yeah. keep that. So, yeah. you know, it's there's so much out there that you can experience and, and get your hands on these days so what, easily. I don't lament the place that we've arrived at as far as uh, the distribution of music. Yeah. Not at all. Who cares? But the thing that I do find, like, less interesting is that you know there was you'll remember this time mm -hmm. you know where you would hear about a record maybe you would see an image of its cover you know you yeah. would think about this record maybe you would order it you know mm -hmm. through mail order and you would think about it you would read about it you would imagine it and then you would hear it and mm -hmm. it was and it would take you know a month it would take two years who knows you know you and I think that all of that space between hearing about it for the first time and actually getting it in your hand like that that space of imagination that's mm -hmm. rich yes. you know and I like you know I would get records that I had dreamed up you know or, you know yeah. you know I had been uh, imagining their sound and I'd finally hear them and be like meh you know yeah, like yeah. it's okay but in your mind you know, it was but, 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 but everything that went on you know between that first moment and, and the the receiving of it you know that's that's creative time yeah so it's amazing like there's uh, a lot of people think about and write about this idea that um, because there's so much available to us as far as creative content especially to younger you know kids sure. is that their imagination in a way becomes limited because 
there's no boredom. There's no time to sort of space right. out. I mean, remember growing up oh. and being in your room, those hours of just, you would have to invent this kind of, whether it was like little figures that you're playing with or sounds or whatever it is, the the advantage of boredom, I think. Yeah, it's it big cannot, deal. It's not should not underestimate boredom. It's a big and deal. I'm a parent, so I understand the value of, of yeah. handing a kid something entertaining so oh, they're not flipping oh, out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure, for it's, sure. Well, I'll I'll tell I'll say this that like over the last few years, um, you know, as I was starting to work with synthesizers a bunch, you know, you can, you can accumulate so much content so quickly, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, and I got really into that. I got into s- systems music. I got into setting up a set of parameters and letting a system go to um, inform uh, compositional shapes, you know. Um, and I got into a, temp, uh, a tempo that completely related to the tempo of um, the internet. Yeah. You know, fast, toggling between mm-hmm. things. Uh, constant summing. I mean, you know, I think about summing all the time. Inputting, inputting, inputting. Summing, summing, summing. And then yeah. outputting. And, um, and I liked that. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't feel at odds with the tempo of my day-to-day, day-to-day existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started to make, and the first video work I made, the first um, art pieces that I made that went into my first solo show at Audiovisual Arts a couple years ago mm-hmm. uh, in Manhattan, you know, we're all still working at that tempo. Um, but when I put the Lisa Cooley show together, you know, I was about a year out that I started working on it. I very consciously wanted to shift the tempo back to something that was, a, for me, a pre-internet tempo and it was and I found myself going back to the things that influenced me you know um, in my early 20s when I was first living in Chicago so I was going back to Morton Feldman I was going back to Tony Mm -hmm. Conrad I was going back to Samuel Beckett I was going back to these things uh, uh, Thomas Bernhardt I was going back to these things that I thought maybe I wouldn't ever really reconnect with Uh, I mean Feldman I'm always going to connect to it you know but um, and I felt so happy to be able to access that that content again and slow down to the pace that I need to slow down to say read Bernhard or Beckett or you know yeah um, and and then started to work in a more in and I don't know if you saw the show at least yeah but the like, videos and the pieces yeah. but that's slow work I mean yeah. you know the the main video in the main space is thirty minutes it's you know, it, you need to sit with it for it to, to really reveal itself. I mean, you get it immediately. It's a fast, like, what's going on is very quick, but for it to actually function properly, to get into the micro-expressions of the actors, yeah. um, you need to sit there. It's and a commitment, yeah. It's a commitment. And it's like, and I think it's, and I think it uh, pays off, I mean, uh, I hope, but it was certainly designed to um, slow people down. And same with the text work, you know. Yeah. They work as image, and they work as text text but it's textual work. Am I flipping those around? You know? And uh, I mean, it oscillates between the two, but I think that if you take a moment with them and slow down, it's, uh, it's going to be worthwhile. And anyway, whether it's worthwhile or not to other people, how the hell am I going to know if that's true or not? Uh, it was worthwhile to me as far as a headspace to get into a, yeah. a, a place to be in while I'm in my studio to allow myself that tempo. I can completely relate. Mm-hmm. I just hung a show. It just right. opened last yeah, night. Right. And um, the work in it, it's all very small. Mm-hmm. And it's all about very peaceful little moments right. that I experience. And it's about slowing down. And I have that, that kind of, not a fear, but a fear that 
most people will miss it because everything's so fast now and you know it's kind of like um, and thinking about I thought about a relation to that in art fairs it's like there's a speed to them and you see the work so quick and it's not a show it's just piece after piece and you know if you look on your phone a couple days leading up to when you go you can experience and see all the work kind of like you were saying with you know albums you'd have to anticipate it right now you can almost experience a show before you even go to it yeah yeah without a doubt it's it's true and uh oh i don't mean to interrupt Finish not at that. all no i was just going to say it's those it it's like a, a conscious a concerted effort to slow down the viewer or to a, attempt for them to if they don't experience it like with your show they can understand it quickly but they have to give it the time to really experience i think what you were trying to accomplish with that work you know what I mean I think that the gallery space the museum space the um, you know the theater the performance space the black box like these are these are places where recalibration can still happen yeah you know and um, it's not gonna work for everyone but it doesn't matter um, it's just uh, important to uh, as a proposition to put it out there yeah and uh, have those spaces and yeah. to have well, to have those spaces and to utilize those spaces uh, in terms of tempo I think that matters yeah you know yeah I feel that way a lot I I get that feeling in museums where I can slow things down and think differently about stuff that I can't get in a lot of other places yeah. and like when I spent a month in Japan last summer every, every time I go being in temples you know mm -hmm, that is sure. another space where I can just I feel and I'm not Buddhist I mean my family is but mm -hmm, I'm not and mm -hmm. I but I just can feel like I'm slowing down and can understand things differently and yep. it's it's so helpful in life for me to have that yeah no it's a big deal whenever I'm traveling I like going into um churches and going into temples and going in yeah. uh, because there's a quietude that's available yeah and um you can go in there to look and to listen i mean they always are like kind of stunning spaces early yeah um or so often they are but also it's sort of a place to like uh take a deeper breath and yeah a few years ago quite a few, i don't know eight years ago now um, I did a long tour of Japan. Usually tours mm -hmm. in Japan are quick, you know, yeah. like Tokyo, Osaka, yeah. um, Kyoto. But um, th this was um, a tour where we hit every little in-between city mm -hmm. and town. And we played a bunch of uh, temples oh, wow. on that tour, which was really interesting because they had to kind of create the space. So it meant really unusual, really great PAs in each uh, space yeah. and I was doing uh, just pure computer music at that time based a lot on um, like psychoacoustics mm -hmm. and um, using different tones and autoacoustic emissions you know a lot of um, uh, uh, sound content that really relied on like the nature of the PA the nature of the space and so yeah. it was like really an amazing uh, tour of getting to know my own material through these really unusual spaces. Yeah. Uh, and I performance spaces are not unusual as spaces. Yeah. That, well, and, and I feel not to make a sweeping generalization, but I feel like um, there a lot of audiences will take the time to it's appreciate been, it's been my experience. Yeah. I mean, that's I'm, where town and country kind of uh, had our clearest uh, contact with an audience. Yeah. And I've seen like this last trip I went on. Um, do you know Fushimi Inadi? The, 
It's the one with the, all the gates, the red gates. So you climb up the hill. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, at the base, there was a performance going on that combined music with, like, shamisen, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then a sort of dance. I, I don't know the, the technical, sure. you know, performance that was being done, but it was so impressive. And I was is equally impressed by just the quietness of it and the beauty of that, and then the crowd of just everyone zoned into it. No one's on their phone. No one's... Oh, that, texting or doing that's any interesting. That stuff. So okay, so I haven't. So it's been about, like I said, about eight years since I've been in Japan. Yeah. And, I mean, in eight years, phone addiction has become so much more insane. Yeah. So you know. Yes. And and I mean the, yeah. So, that that is interesting. Here. It that's is interesting. I so I guess that, like at that time, I think that people were, you know, like on their phones all the time. I'm sure. But, yeah. But it's gotten to such a crazy degree. Well, yeah, not to sound like an old guy, but like when you go see shows now, it's just with the phones. Everyone, right. it's not even, they're just trying to capture that, you know, the performance on the phone. And like I went to see, do you know uh, Le Sins, Tori Imwa? No, I don't know. Um, he's, he did this set in Miami during uh, Basel. Mm-hmm. It was in a bar like this. It was a nice venue. It was mm-hmm. kind of like a divey bar. And in the middle, they had all these rugs, kind of like this one, and set up. And there was no stage. Mm-hmm. And he just played in the middle. He was the last guy to go on. And uh, there were a couple of openers, and it was a chill vibe. Everyone's hanging out, watching. And then he comes up, and people, you know, zoom in around him and gather. And then the phones all start going up. Oh, yeah. So there was nothing. You couldn't see him. You could just see these white screens. Right. And then there was a bouncer who's trying to swat away the phone. <laughs> from all the people so it sounded great but it was a bizarre right. kind of performance to like witness giant, giant lightning bugs yeah um, it felt like moths to a flame yeah boy that's funny yeah I mean we'll we'll figure it out we'll yeah. get over it we'll regulate I think so I think that um, a good uh, business to get into now might be like a digital uh, a digital addiction therapy that's you know I think it's going to be strong what do you think? We could have like maybe we could do it. I'm not even sure if I'm prepared. To, <laughs> I need I need to I need to get straight first. And, yeah, yeah. You know, so. be able to put it down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's and kids like you know I I see it firsthand. They're so in tune with it. It's amazing how they're intuitive. Less, I think they're less susceptible to be honest. No, like, no. I think they'll we're be we're the doomed ones. Yeah. you know, because we have that moment before. Yeah, you know, we're ripe. Ripe yeah. for it. Late in the game, it's like when your parents finally get a computer and they right. learn about the internet, <laughs> and then they're just I on it. Had, yeah, I never all had. the time. I didn't have a computer until um, I was living with Katie, my wife Katie, mm-hmm. and she had one, and I was like, oh, like I was writing, I was writing papers in college on a word processor. Yeah, nightmare. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, we had a computer lab. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I would do that. I would go into that computer. So I'd go downstairs, and it was mostly architecture students, so I'd have to, like, try to butt (laughs) in and get in there. And there was really not much you could do on it. You know, at that point, it was just kind of, like, word processing. But but I love using the computer as a tool for, like, the, you know, the pieces. the As far as, like, a tool for um, uh, editing, uh, any kind of content, I love it, like... Um, no matter how a piece is uh, finally, finally manifests or is mm-hmm. exported or whatever, um, there's always a, a period where the computer is central to the, uh, the fo- like in a formal way. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's so obvious with electronic music. It's mm-hmm. like a high, for me, it's a highly 
edited, edit, like editing is a huge part of the compositional process, but also for all the text pieces, you know, like the text pieces yeah. that were up at Lisa's, um, those are all created in InDesign, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I, and then, you know, there's like a moment where they're translated into, you know, they're all handwritten. Yeah. There's a moment where they're translated into that hand, handwritten uh, object, you know, but uh, the sort of formal decisions are made in the digital realm. Yeah. You know, and I, and I don't mind that at all. I don't think that's, you know, it's the right tool. Uh, and of course, video editing, same, same thing. Yeah. I loved opening a video editing program for the first time and realizing that I just totally knew how to use it. No big deal yeah. because of, you know, using Pro Tools and, you know, Logic and all those. It's like, and I think that that's something that's interesting right now. Um, there's so many young artists who I don't think delineate between this medium and that medium yeah um, and I think it's partially because you are given a computer or you buy a computer at a young age and all the software is on there you mm -hmm. you're making uh, techno tracks you're shooting you're editing video you know you it's it's all right there it doesn't matter there's no uh, it's all the same tool and so there's no uh, mental leap from one platform to the next yeah well I think in your work one of the things that is really interesting to me and I think a real strength of it is your you've always seemed to move between digital and analog in a lot of different ways but the final product of what you're creating ha is in direct language with no matter how you're making it you know it feels like some of that earlier acoustic music has similar feel you know to a lot of the stuff that you're doing that I'm guessing has a lot more to do with or there's a digital hand in it. I mean, I don't know exactly how you're making your stuff, but mm -hmm. you know, some of your solo stuff, which sounds more digital in nature, or mm -hmm. at least a, a little less acoustic. Sure. Um, you know, it, and in that show too, the videos of the people who are making, you know, you're making music based on facial expressions, and I'm I'm guessing you're using an algorithm to do that, right? I'm not actually. It's really a simple process. I'm I'm the whole idea of of that piece in a, in a um, but that would be a good guess. I mean, that's, yeah. that's how I think a lot of people would make, make that work um, if they were making that work. Uh, and, but um, no, the whole idea sort of undergirding that, that work and, uh, and work that sort of runs parallel to it is this idea of soft systems. And the soft system is uh, within a systematic way of producing, uh, or almost like a structural way of, mm -hmm. of creating content, um, slipping in a moment where there's a human interpretation of the materials. Yeah. And so um, in my earlier piece, uh, Slipping Control, the idea was that at one point I would have performers come in and interpret uh, the text score with no, um, you know, clear instructions you know there it, it's a, it was a very open score in that regard um, and then their interpretations would uh, you know sort of uh, dictate my next steps with it and yeah. so um, with the um, soft systems music the smiling video mm -hmm. over at Lisa's um, there was this idea that I wanted to be uh, my receptivity of those micro expressions uh, was that moment of soft system in there, kind of uh, a play on you know the soft machine idea, you yeah. know, the human, and um, so I, uh, you know, got to know that content and sat and watched it and would just tap in onto the computer keyboard MIDI, 
demands, mm-hmm. you know. And so it became, and as I did it, as I, you know, as the the piece grew and as I got better at interpreting the micro expressions, I became more virtuosic yeah. at figuring out, you know, this smile starts here, this smile has these three elements to it, and mm-hmm. that became three control taps instead of one. Yeah. Like, you know, and uh, and then there's a lot of byproducts, that's a simple idea, um, and then there's a lot of byproducts to that simple idea that weren't there at the beginning of the conception of the piece, and that was this sort of second narrative that started to happen in that piece, um, where I feel there's a lot of emotion that plays across the faces of all of the people in the video. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't trying to excavate that emotion or you know but it was an, an inevitability it's like um you know it's like the, uh, the screen test model or whatever yeah. you know where people you know after a while start to sort of um well you watch this sort of internal narrative play across their faces yeah you know and well, i'm really into the in- internal external i mean that's what's going on in the text pieces as well you know this idea of the bracketed materials perhaps being an internal voice and the unbracketed materials being what's actually uttered. You know, yeah. it's the complexity of our internal dialogue versus what we're actually able to communicate. Yeah. So. I, I like the idea, too, of breaking down the notion, because a lot of times within artwork, if you use some sort of system to, to create work, people expect that system to be completely either mathematical or autonomous. You know, it's, sure. it's not supposed to be broken. Right. But the idea that you're just using that as a springboard to create and then there's this, you know, your element of chance or hand or whatever else sure. is coming in. I've experienced that, I think, in some of my work with painting. It's like if you paint relatively tight, then people expect it to be completely seamless. Right. You know what I mean? It's For like, sure. Oh, why is there a little mess up there or I something? Think, I think getting, like, playing with um, people's assumptions yeah. or, their, or what their... Um, assuming they're going to receive, I mean, that, that becomes a, a material in itself. Yeah. You know, uh, people's preconceptions is a great uh, artistic material to manipulate. It really is. And, yeah. um, and, I, and I think you, the broken is the right word. I mean, I, I create systems to break them, for yeah. sure. You know, and I, I mean, that can be true in a sort of um, more philosophical sense, like mm-hmm. with the soft systems. But also, I mean, I, I love having uh, analog and digital equipment communicate with each other and, yeah. and so much gets lost in translation when you're doing that and you get these gestures that you would never arrive at um, being linked to just one or utilizing just one system yeah. you know yeah. so a lot of a lot of when things start to break down is when the cracks begin to show and that's where you learn about things everything I mean this is I don't know if people's mean this when they say it but I I do mean it when I say that you know the for years now the the practice my practice has always continued to be an experimental practice in that you know I have a (laughs) target that I'm shooting for as a as a end product or whatever output you know the thing that gets outputted but man I mean I don't mind if I miss it because I mean what gets revealed in the process to me through the propositions that I set up at the beginning of of uh, a, a new body of work is actually where things stay exciting. And I mean, moving from cl- things that clearly read, work that clearly reads as music, to things that become more uh, sound as sound-based, to then getting into these other mediums, that shift was partially based in wanting to uh, 
embrace a certain amount of de like de skilled process. You know, I wanted yeah. to be. Not, I mean, my videos aren't you know finely tuned videos. I'm just doing the best I can. Yeah. You know, but I'm just a learn. I'm just a beginner. Yeah. Well, that, know, again, I like being a beginner again and again. Yeah. Because because it's all built on a long foundation of knowing how to do things and and getting good at doing things and yeah. so it's always still based on a, a strong sense of um uh like a, i don't want to say aesthetic sense but like a strong sense of uh being able to apply certain kinds of uh, uh logic systems to processes to know to kind of gauge if they're communicating the way i want them to yeah if that makes sense yeah I hope that makes sense definitely so. yeah well i'm also interested too in um how the visual in your work changes, you know what I mean? Yeah, you mean how it changes, well, like how that how that's made it in different venues. I'm sure, like when you let's say you're going out to play music, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many aspects of the venue that will affect the sound. You know, the right. board you're running through the space and all that, and how you approach because you are taking a lot of times a sound or a sonic approach to visualizing something, right. or the visualization is the product of that. Right. How do you, how um, explicitly mm. are you orchestrating the visual end of your work? It's really, it's really loose. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of like uh, something that I leave up to other people. You know, coming out of years of making music, collaboration still just means so much to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I didn't want to start to create a lonely studio art practice you know like I, that didn't seem like a the right trade-off and yeah. so there's even if a work seems like an autonomous sort of like you know it only has my name on it or whatever there's always space for collaboration in the work there's always a moment where someone else comes in um with with uh, an aspect which which directs an aspect of how something looks or how something reads yeah. the sound of something um so uh, to give an example of that um the soft systems music um was shot out at 356 south mission road mm-hmm. in los angeles uh-huh. katie and i were out there doing shows uh, uh, last year and um you know that's that's a, a a space that laura owens started and she's just extraordinarily generous yeah. um with the artists that she brings out there and works with and so i had mentioned kind of casually that I was hoping to make this video and um, you know they they uh, they found the videographer they sent out I'd said I didn't want to um, make a decision on casting I just wanted and they said well why don't we just send out uh, you know a, a message to all of our the people on our list and we'll just see who comes through and yeah. you know I didn't I didn't want to turn into a a Benetton casting ad, right, you know right. what I mean? I didn't yeah. want to have to consider those decisions, you yeah. know? Um, and I loved the results, and I would have loved probably any results um, because they just ended up being a reflection of that venue at that time, you yeah. know? That was spring 2015. That's the people who were interested in coming to uh, 356 in that moment, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was a healthy filter, I think, you know? Yeah. We got a lot of... Everyone was pretty young, but it was all kinds of people coming through. Yeah, you know, um, and in, in that in that Jesse Fleming who shot shot it, he he blocked it. He made some decisions. You know, mm-hmm. the people who came through, 
you know, made the decision to come through. Those are that's the look of the video. Yeah. I, I decided what color should get painted behind them, <laughs> but once we shot it, like the color was different, and I didn't do any color corrections. And yeah, I was like, yeah. Oh, but that's a good color yeah, too. That works. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is to say that I I was very good at making all the decisions in in a music setting, and I think I could be very good making them in a lot of different kinds of settings, but I'm not that interested in holding on that tight to things. Yeah. You know? I think that's a, a you know, it, musicians, it's something that you're intrinsically good at, or at least you're comfortable with, you know, because I a mean, lot you, of, have, you just have to do you, it. Yeah, you have to do yeah. it. A lot of visual artists get so used to being in their studio by themselves that collaboration really is problematic or they just you know don't know how to really handle it you, know? well, you have to be so careful because it's like uh you invite the wrong person in at the wrong time and mm-hmm. he could just fuck you yeah, yeah you know i mean yeah. emotionally yeah you know you're i mean yeah and there's something so public about music making i mean you're always growing up in public you're before something's cooled it's in front of an audience and then the next night you make corrections and the next night you make corrections that's yeah. the nature of of that art form, and I mean, and I think that that's so rich. Um, it's such a different proposition when it's, um, you know, your one uh, solo show for that season or that year. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, and you know, I spend so much time making music that when that kind of stopped cold turkey, as mm. far as the band's concerned, right. and I really loved being in the studio because it was something that I could regulate. I didn't have to call up a few people and make sure they're there at the right time and all that, you know, and getting together. So there was something nice about just being able to work all the time and set my schedule. Mm-hmm. But then after a while, you know, I missed that collaborative aspect of things. So that's when I started contacting musicians to, and around that time I was doing video work, mm-hmm. animation and having them score things. And it kind of worked out in that way. But I feel that or maybe not everyone, but it would be so good for people who don't collaborate to just try it once in a while, you know, to kind of open them up to this idea of other people's voice being in their work to some extent. Well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, if only to realize that it's, you know, painful to do it, right? you know, and hard, so hard. And, um, you know, when I talk about collaboration in, in my art process or in my music process I'm it's very structured collaboration you know what I mean it's like um, it's not that I'm directing what's happening because I'm really not but it's I'm being very careful with the choices that I'm making you know and um, I've tried to collaborate with other artists like in a more sort of performance based uh, you know for, uh, performance-based uh, uh, a way of, of, of um, presenting work and you know it felt so much like a rock band that I that we had to stop doing it yeah. like almost right away yeah. you know it was just impossible um, but that said like I'm in certain musical groups that are that that you know only perform maybe once every couple of you know maybe twice a year or something mm-hmm. like that and I love the people and I trust the people in those in that in some of those groups so much and I feel that uh, my contribution can be sometimes very small or sometimes you know more involved but that I I love uh, letting it be what it's going to be and the collaboration can be very nourishing because it actually just becomes about uh, how much I love being around this group of people and it probably know? feels really fresh because you're you know you're only coming to it once in a while so it's it feels fresh but I but I think that like 
it almost doesn't even matter if yeah. it feels fresh. It just feels like people I want to be with, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds really simple, but uh, you know, after you've done something for twenty years, um, yeah. you know, you uh, uh, begin to, uh, you know, we have we have to live through these creative lives. You know, we have to survive yeah. through them. And I mean, one reason I stopped touring the way that I used to tour when I was younger is that I didn't think I was going to survive it. I don't mean that in a super dramatic way, but yeah. like whether it was physically or psychic or however, you know, yeah. uh, I, I felt like, uh, you know, I didn't want the reward for doing a good job to be like extra drink tickets right. or something like <laughs> yeah. that. That's nonsense. Yeah. You know, it wasn't enough. Yeah. So, so these days, how much are you are you getting out to see a lot of music or do you go see a lot of art shows or are you kind of I mean I spent a long time when I first moved to the city being really hermetic and just working in the studio and I think lately or actually maybe having a kid has gotten me out <laughs> and being much more social than I used to be oh, that's great including doing something like that you know yeah talking to so many people and doing some curating but I'm curious as to how much like what your inspiration is what's giving you your fuel I mean besides seeing things that are just like so major I can't miss them like um you know going out to see like a Morton Feldman piece performed or Dumitrescu or something like that um things that happen in New York yeah that, that can't happen just everywhere yeah um I really navigate the art world and the music world through relationships mm -hmm. and so I go to friends openings yeah. uh, or I'll or I have some friends who will say let's today let's go to Chelsea and I just I just walk with them yeah. you know and um it's really the same with music and I feel so lucky to have such creative people around me and, and you know at this point kind of an international community of, of creative best friends you know mm -hmm. that like um, that that ends up being enough and I feel like at this point there's so much content to wade through that we all have to sort of pick filters for for what we actually spend an extra moment with you yeah. know to receive and I guess I just trust the filter of friendship you know yeah. to be that yeah um, it's yeah. like a communal you know way to sort of take everything and then it's really it's, nice it's when you con have a relationship it's context yeah. I mean honestly it's like I I know these people I trust these people I trust their work you know yeah. um, I mean but that said I'll walk into a painting show and I'll I'll either trust it or, or not you know, in one second by the mark making, I'll be like, I trust this person's hand, this gesture that mm -hmm. I'm seeing. I, it, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, like, I mean, you might disagree with this, but I think uh, painting and rock and roll are kind of the same thing at this point where, you know, you, you receive it and you either trust it or distrust it in a second, you yeah. know, um, or at least that's my experience with it. Yeah. Know? I feel like I, I will, I have that radar. Mm -hmm. And I was actually just talking to someone the other day about that, where um, I'm really interested in, you know, authenticity. Mm. And I don't That's know if it's, word. <laughs> I don't know if it's real or not, but I do like, I, I want to see things that I feel like the people believe in what they're doing, even if the work may be kind of purposefully, you know, mocking something I don't know as long as they're really into it and not just doing it just oh like I'm I'm making this work because it's kind of cool I don't know like I worry that there's there's some work that has not a lot of depth behind it or real and yeah like feeling yeah I it's mean, very it's, emo of me too. <laughs> yeah that is emo that's great um 
Yeah, I, I understand that. I mean, I don't know. Like, at, at this point, I think that I'm not, um, I don't know if I think of things as being, like, good or bad or I like it or I don't like it. I don't know if those if that really is very interesting to me, but I do like going walking into a show and and feeling like like oh fuck what's going on in here yeah. like some like I'm getting a glimpse into someone's really intense personal way of seeing yeah. you know or or I'm I'm getting to get back to this idea of recalibration I'm getting recalibrated by this show through seeing how this artist is dealing with you know, uh, this content, you know, yeah. you, you have a sense of maybe what they've inputted and, and how it's being outputted and getting a glimpse of their filters is like, can be very powerful. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's the kind of thing that'll really shake me up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't really know why. It doesn't why. take much either. I mean, you know, you, you go to the Lower East Side, you go to Chelsea, you see, you know, let's say 10 shows. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, you see one thing that really, uh, hits you, you're like, you're doing pretty yeah. yeah you know like it doesn't have to be a lot it's like a little moment can little drive moment you maybe. yeah I've, I love yeah. that kind of inspiration you see one good show out of a ton or not good yeah. but one I mean good by it resonates like you yeah. really feel something just from one it that, that, like you're on the train going home later and you're just like damn yeah you know? it fills up the tank so yeah it fills up the tank yeah, yeah totally. I don't know why lately too I've been getting that feeling of wanting things to be not authentic but you know there to be this real passion for what did, it's almost like it's it's less when I was younger maybe I cared about how it looked or how it was made more right and no, that had is, a bigger this is, it. That's, this is it like we're I think we're talking about yeah. the same thing but the other thing to keep in mind or one thing that at least I, I try to keep in mind is like what registers this authentic passion well that's tricky right there yeah, you know or, or, or these things that we're talking about to someone who is 40 you know yeah. might be different to someone who's yeah you know and I think that that's something I really am interested in too I I want to like we're you and I we're old enough now that you know there's a generation of people who are making really really vital work that might be um you know uh that won't be that easy for us to read I was so Tony Conrad was you know a, a friend and you know someone who like completely you know like Broke broke open my skull so many times yeah. with his ideas and his and his work over and over again. Like every time I would get into something new, I would go back to what Tony had done. Mm-hmm. It was he was he had been there, you know, so far ahead and yeah. to such an intelligent and playful and mischievous way, you know. But um, one thing he said um, some years ago uh, was, you know, uh, um, you know, we're and he wasn't saying this just to me; he was saying this to a group of people. Um, you know, uh, we're of different generations. I shouldn't like your work. You know, I shouldn't necessarily <laughs> understand or get your work. You right, know, yeah. like, like if you're making something that I really, you know, that really uh, is easy for me to receive. I mean, I'm really paraphrasing at this right, point right, right. to make a point. Uh, you know, it's like then then it's too easy. Then you're not asking the right. You know, you're not asking yeah. hard enough questions. It's really interesting. Know? And it's so I want I want to keep that in mind when I'm receiving work by younger people. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so. it's like they're taking in because the idea of really good art is that you're just taking in the world that you live in. Like, you know, didn't Baudelaire say like an artist must be of one's time? But it's yeah. an unconscious representation of that time, so yeah. it's not like right. So, right, you know, you see younger okay. people painting from cell phones, and you get frustrated. But maybe that's 
But that, but but that's the thing, unconscious. I think the consciousness of one's time is mm-hmm. what's so different right now. Yes. And that's the thing that I think is is uh, the gap between uh, maybe when you and I were coming up and mm-hmm. someone getting started right now. Yeah. You know. What does that What does that mean to to you know? And like uh, I don't know. We we'll have to we have to get out to see more art shows by younger people. I and guess see so. if we can see if we can sort it out. Or, yeah, and, and time, it, you know, time will show. Things, oh, t- right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Patience. Yes. Patience. Like in like yeah. in seven years, it'll become, you know, a little clearer as to what was happening. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting when indie rock went so pro uh, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, where uh, you know people would have their manager and their lawyer before they'd have their record deal, and certainly before they'd made the music for their first yeah. record. You know, and. Uh, Boy, what a fantastically confusing time that was, yeah. you know. And maybe I'm sure there was good music being made at that time, but um, talk about, uh, you know, professionalizing something. Oh yeah, you know? um, yeah. Young people have no problem promoting themselves. No, it's just the platform. Yeah, but I have. and I don't and I mean, man, that's fine. I thought like coming up, you know, in this like sort of self righteous indie world of like, you know, you never ask for what you want you never promote yourself i hated that shit you know i always thought that was so phony because you know i actually i'm i'm shy by nature so until i'm not you know and um and so like i uh you know i was i took to that idea really quickly Mm -hmm. you know i was like great you know this is i can be private but i wouldn't understand why certain things you know were getting you know uh, moving ahead at a quicker tempo than other things, and yeah. you realize, oh, people talk th- would back. I think you know people would talk about uh, keeping it real, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something, you know. And then, and then, of course, just be working, hustling, hustling, hustling. Yeah. I think that the hustle being on the surface is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's real. That's real. Yeah, you know. So. Well, it's and it's getting your way out. You know, it's that old adage of like, you don't believe in it and can't and don't want to put it out there. I mean, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Gonna, well, who should get behind it? There's so right. much. Yeah, that. I'm t- sorry, I interrupted you. No, right no, the, the tired notion of the real artist is the one who's in his studio all the time and doesn't go out and, you know, talk to anyone. That's, you know, that's all the BS part of it. And right. The, you know, no, that's not it. Because you know, making art or making music, that's it's communicating, right? The root of it is communication, whether it's visual or oral. It's just talking to other people in a different language. And if you're not communicating, literally communicating with people, how are they supposed to find your work or understand what you're trying to get across? Right, right. I know. I mean, it's... And I, and the, I guess I agree with that. And I think the other thing, too, is there's just so many ways to live. Yeah. There's just so many ways to do things. And I think we... Uh, you know, homogenization is, is all the more rampant when viewed through a computer screen, you know? Yeah. And then through the internet and through these social platforms and so um you know i think we forget that there's just so many ways of doing things there's so many ways to lead creative lives you know and um you know there's there's bigger differences between uh bushwick laurie's side and chelsea (laughs) those aren't the big differences right right you know yes that's like come on Well, things get convenient you know the package and remember back in our time it was like what's your music like (laughs) <laughs> and then it would be really, people would get really offended and say, you know, uh-huh. I don't want to categorize my music as this or that. It's, right. It's beyond categorization. Yeah, yeah, right. Sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
So, um, so before we wrap it up, I want to ask you what you have coming up. Like, what are you working on now? Well, well, right now well, you just had a show. I just so. so the show at least was just came down, and that was really I feel really happy with it. It was it was I feel proud. Yeah, let's just put it that way. Yeah, and um, uh, I'm doing. I've got I've started to work uh, and I'm starting to perform this new uh, durational piece that's running between four and six hours for electronics and small vocal ensemble mm-hmm. um, and I'm doing the first iteration of that piece next month in Chicago as part of uh, the Lampo music series nice. and I'm working with a vocalist from New York and then a couple of vocalists from Chicago mm-hmm. I'm very excited to go back there and present this piece working with a lighting designer um, and I'm just I don't know if the piece is going to work, um, but I'm very excited to see if it does. And I yeah. think, you know, what better way to see if it's going to work than to sit in a space, you know, with a, an audience coming and going over the course of four, four hours. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm very excited about, um, I'm, I'm one of the vocalists in that, in that piece, and I'm really excited uh, this phonetic way of score writing that I've been developing for the last few years, I'm really into it. I'm really into how it works to um, seed a vocal ensemble and the sort of vocal games, rhythmic vocal games that it prompts. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm just looking forward to being, being there and doing it yeah. and living in that space right. uh, and singing with people. I love, I love singing with people, nice. you know, and so this is, I've, I finally figured out a model that like where you really dig in and do it, yeah. you know, and um, so I'm, that piece is going to be presented in New York at the kitchen in the fall, and that's I'm cool. talking with people in Europe about presenting it with a choir. I mean, it's it's something that's going on, and yeah. then and then uh, as well, I'm following the threads uh, of some of the pieces that I started for the Lisa show. So I'm mm-hmm. working on new soft system video pieces. I'm going to start working with a dancer choreographer and. I'm excited to see what cha- uh, moving the um, action that that lived in the smile of of someone mm-hmm. uh, to the to the full body of uh, of someone who considers uh, the systems of mu- of moving so clearly like a choreographer does. Yeah. Um, and and other things. That I mean, you know, good. you know, there's. It's like, man, I I I get into the studio and I feel excited and I feel like I don't know what's gonna happen, but there's a long list of things to to work on. Yeah. And and I don't know where everything's gonna land, but I feel like the places that things could land, there's 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 a lot of opportunities out there to to see how things how things can materialize uh, in front of people. Yeah, isn't it great mm-hmm. to, to have these different platforms? I love it. To work, not just in the gallery, but out in the public realm and in different venues. Yeah. I feel like artists who are only doing things in galleries are really, they don't know what they're missing. <laughs> well, and same with musicians who are only doing things in, uh, you know, like rock and roll venues. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, um, I love making a piece that's so clearly directed into one setting and then and then presenting it in a different setting, yeah. you know, and, and what that context does to it and how it problematizes the materials. And, and I love getting the chance to put content in front of uh, an audience that's not, uh, that's where it's not preaching to the choir, you yeah. know. I mean, I like that too because you can get people who are so invested that they hear things on, on a totally different level. But, yeah. you know, when you're hearing things with that much education or that much history of listening specific history of listening you're you're missing other things you're missing maybe uh 
larger gestures that are yeah. in play. So cool. Well, yeah. thanks for for letting me talk to you, and also for being the personification of this podcast. It's like sound and vision. You work <laughs> super. This is a, the the perfect um, you know combination of those two things. So it's it's been great to talk. Oh, thanks, Will. And, uh, Pleasure. Thanks for keeping it real. Thank <laughs> you.